You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome, everybody, to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm here with Jenna Kraft and Aaron Chester, and this is a super fun podcast. I know both of you guys really well, and I'm always glad to have you here. So thanks for being here. Yes, happy to be here. Glad to be here. Yeah, so uh, we've been going through Second Peter as a church, and in that, in our podcast, we've just been uh, not rehashing those verses so much um, because the sermons have been really awesome, but just thinking through questions that arise from the text mm-hmm. that, and taking a deeper dive into that. And so just to get us going, um, Aaron, do you mind just reading us a section of, we're in Second Peter chapter 3, just read us a section of that and we can okay. sort of take off. Great. I'll read verses 4 through 10. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world then existed, was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for, for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Okay. So there is a ton we could do. (laughs) There's a lot there. Everyone's like, I don't know what y'all are going to talk about (laughs) Uh, because that's a lot. Um, That's why we're not preaching, right? Mm. Um, But I want to, so he's talking about Jesus returning in in there. And so I think um, just one question is, so where did he go? Right. And so we can, we can read those verses, but, but it says that Jesus, he went up into the clouds and he, he, he ascended up. And so the question for us is, what does that mean? Because I'm not an astronaut, but I actually know a couple of astronauts, and they've been up above the clouds. They've been to the space station. We have people going to the moon. I've seen really amazing pictures of the universe, and I don't, I don't see Jesus up there anywhere. So what is happening? Where is he? Yeah, well, so um, this idea of the ascension, it's um, 40 days after his death, um, I mean, we do, we have that question of like, where did he go? Did he just vanish? Or is this like a, a weird exit plan, you know, that um, he's gone and now we can just say that, well, he vanished up into heaven. But the the disciples did not see it that way. They saw uh, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ and the ascension of Christ. These ideas are very connected, like in Acts 5, 30 through 31, when the apostles are are preaching and they're sent before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priests. They say, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given those who obey him. And so so the disciples saw all of these things to be very connected. Um, 
But I mean, there still is that question of, okay, so where, where is he? Um, but I think even going back uh, really to the beginning, I think that at its most basic level, heaven is where God is. Um, if you even think to the Lord's prayer, Jesus starts, our father who art in heaven. Mm-hmm. So at the most basic level, yeah. heaven is, is just where God is. Um, but before anything, any of creation, we know that God existed before creation. So he is distinct from creation. He is outside of creation. But something happened with the incarnation. Um, the eternal son of God who has always existed was born in a material human body, right? So never, never ceased to be God, but it became fully God and fully man. And, and so now there's this question. We have the eternal son of God who is now in dwelling inside of a, a material human body. But I think the question of, of where he is now when he ascended to the father I think we can mistakenly have this picture of, of Jesus escaping from this earth to go and develop this like supernatural escape plan where we can all go and escape from this earth someday. But that is not how the ancient Israelites would have thought about, about heaven, about heaven and earth. So even going back to Genesis 1, when uh, the writers of Genesis talk about um, heaven and earth, it's not um, heaven somewhere, you know, past the stars, but it's really just talking about sky and land. And it's talking about God's space and human space in a natural and created world. So it's not this supernatural place um, where he's living separated from humans, but God's vision is for the heavens and the earth to be fully integrated as one. Genesis 1, we get to see that all of creation is God's temple. Okay, mm-hmm. let me, okay. So, because there is a lot there. (laughs) So, I want to unpack just a couple parts of that. Um, I want to talk about the fact that you said Jesus is exalted. Mm. um, And that's a a really important part of this conversation. Mm. You also talked about the fact that this is dependent upon the resurrection, Mm. that he is in bodily form. And then what what this rule, like he is in heaven and and what that means for heaven and earth. so let me start with asking this. So, so you did talk about how this is, this is dependent upon his resurrection. They're very connected yeah. and he was incarnate. And when he, when he is ascended into heaven, into this presence of God, he is in human form. Um, I, I think that that's really important for us to think about because I yeah. think when a lot of people think about going to heaven, they think about, okay, when, when I die, mm. I'll go be in the presence of the Lord. And mm. that's not yeah. our body. Yeah. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that was helpful, the, the Acts passage, and just laying that as a jumping off point. And because mm-hmm. pulling all that together is really important because when you think about Genesis 1 or heaven and where where is Jesus or where are we going, um, some people think about heaven as the goal. And if that was always the goal, then God wouldn't have created this world. I mean, mm-hmm. so this world is the goal, but it's heaven and earth together, like Jenna said, um, God with us, uh, heaven and earth interconnected, overlapping, uh, God's space and our space together. So um, if heaven isn't the goal, then being with God is the goal, or God being with us is, is his goal. And so uh, I think, you know, mentioning the incarnation is really helpful because that shows us how much God loves the world that he created, that the physicality and matter is actually inherently good uh, because God was willing to take on uh, a body mm-hmm. uh, to prove that he affirms of that. So that human creature can go into the heavenly space and be there. Um, I think I think a helpful phrase in, in Paul's writings is that, that, that parallels this, is that when Jesus appears, that we will see him again. And so he's 
not visible from the heavenly space to us now, but he will appear. And uh, he is still human, though. And yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's something mm-hmm. that can we can sort of get confused about because yeah. we think about heaven as just a place that's right. You know, it's purely spiritual, but 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 Jesus' incarnation, he is incarnate forever yeah. now. He yeah. God united himself to mankind forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is a God man mm. up and exalted in heaven in the yeah. presence of God um, forever. Yeah. Yeah. And so in the appearing part that is that he's not coming back from a long way away. Mm-hmm. Right. Another thing that he tells the, uh, the disciples at the end of Matthew 20 is, I'm going to be with you even to the end of the age. And so we think, well, I don't see him. What do you mean he's with us? And But that, you know, goes into the further conversation about the ascension and the sending of the Spirit. But that really God is near. Uh, he's mm-hmm. not far. Um, and so I think keeping the reminder that his appearing isn't a return from a long, long way away, but mm-hmm. he is near in that yeah. heavenly dimension that we can't fully yeah. see. Let's right talk now. a little bit more about that. Um, because you did talk about that, you know, there's heaven and earth and that was always the plan. And the plan is still for those to be united, not separate. You did too, but, um, g- give me, you guys both teach how to study the Bible. And we talk a lot about just context with mm-hmm. understanding what, mm-hmm what doctrines mean when we're mm-hmm. trying to understand what the Bible is saying, which that's all doctrine is. What is, what is this belief that we're getting from the Bible? Uh, context matters. So, so give me a little bit of that. Where does this idea of heavens and you talked a little bit about it, but let's just flesh that out a little bit. Yeah. So I think, I mean, for the disciples, the ascension would not have been disconnected from the resurrection. They would have seen the ascension as a necessary part of of the plan. And um, so if you look back through the the Hebrew scriptures, you're, we really do see that there is this expectation of, of a sacrifice that is made, and then the priest would enter or would ascend into the presence of God. And so, I mean, really, this is all over mm-hmm. um, the scriptures. Even Genesis is described as um, as a garden, but it's, it's elevated. They would go up. Um, in Leviticus 16 and 17, the day of atonement, which really is like the center, the core of Leviticus, it is this day when the high priests makes an annual sacrifice on behalf of the people. Um, so it's the, the high priest is serving as, as that earthly representative entering into the presence of God. Um, but there was a sacrifice that was made and then there was ascension. And so what we see on the day of atonement, again, it's this, um, this pattern that the high priest once a year would make an annual sacrifice on behalf of the people and then would enter into the, to go up, to ascend, to meet, to be in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. But even, I mean, all throughout, like even the Psalms of Ascent, it's the Israelites traveling, going right. up to Jerusalem. Well, I was going to say, um, Aaron and I went to Israel yes, yes. Um, a year, not now, thank yeah. goodness, uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago. And uh, we sang a Song of Ascent when we were going into Israel. Driving when up. We were, and yeah. we actually were driving up, right. which was really mm. amazing. Amazing. Um, but it is like, and I think that's really important too, because for for the Israelites in that time, it's a, it's a reality that's still metaphorical, mm-hmm. you know, like their worldview really did see God as a, as above, right? That's their, that's their cultural context. Um, but to get sort of like hung up on that yeah. can be problematic. We don't want to get hung up on that. Right. That was their cultural context. Heaven is above, mm-hmm. um, but also it's metaphorical. It's just a separate space where yeah. God's presence is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it really was always up, mm-hmm. up, up, just like you're saying, when Moses goes on the mountain. 
Yeah. There's so many examples of it. Right. Yeah. It's, there's already this like expectation or again, it's just a pattern um, mm-hmm. that they would understand that there is a sacrifice that is made and then the high priest would ascend into the presence of God, assuring the salvation of the people. And so then for Jesus, the, the sacrifice has been made, right? The, the crucifixion, he, um, his resurrection, but then him, him, him ascending to the father mm-hmm. as the great high priest, right? Hebrews 9 talks about how um, Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands. That was only a copy of the true one, but he entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence but he didn't have to enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way that a high priest. So again, just, just looking back to this pattern that we see in the Old Testament, what we see that, that Jesus is the great high priest who's presenting mm-hmm. a sacrifice in the heavenly realm. And so he ascends into, into the heavens to perform that. So he is not in the clouds. Mm. He is in the presence of God. And like you said, you called it another dimension basically, which I think Mm -hmm. is a helpful way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean, um, but then it comes the question, what what is he doing? What is he doing? Yeah. What's happening? And you know, Psalm 110 is uh, one of the most quoted Psalms in the new Testament, uh, you know, verses from the old Testament that are quoted in the new Testament. Uh, and it says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And so that is what, if the apostles quoted that uh, mm-hmm. as often or more often than any other Old Testament and passage, then that's what they too. saw. This is what's happening. This is, yeah. this is mm-hmm. you know, this is what we're proclaiming. When we proclaim the gospel in, the, in, this, in this time um, because it goes back to the question of heaven and earth being together as the goal rather than heaven just being the goal. And so God is reclaiming this earth, one person at a time, if you want to think about it that way. Um, so he's overtaking the enemies of evil and sin and ultimately death, which Paul says the last enemy to be defeated is death. And so that's that's the time that we live in where God is reclaiming the space of earth eventually that will, it'll be full of God's righteousness. That, that's what yeah. Peter says. So Jenna talks about how this is, you know, again, like, and we're going to talk about essential versus non-essential doctrines, but um, this is so intimately connected with his his death mm-hmm. and his resurrection and then his return, right? But we're here in ascension where he is he is up there. And, and like you said, this is part of God's plan to reclaim all of us. So, mm-hmm. and you mentioned Psalm 110 and it most, like you said, most quoted Old Testament Psalm in the New Testament um, Jesus quotes it himself about himself, yeah. which people got very upset about. <laughs> um, but, but I love that you mentioned that because it really has two really important aspects of what Jesus is mm-hmm. doing even now in heaven. And yeah. it, uh, it talks about his, his king, his kingship, his lordship, yeah. and then his priesthood. So yeah. you guys talk to me a little bit about that. What does that mean? So I think with his, his kingship, so we haven't read this, but Acts and Acts 1 is where um, we see kind of the, the historical account that Luke gives of when the ascension happens. Um, so in Acts 1.8, Jesus tells them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Um, but so 
We know that in these historical accounts that they are not using flowery language for the sake of making it uh, sound more more beautiful or poetic, mm-hmm. whatever. So anytime that there is a detail, it is usually going to be a hyperlink back to something else. And so um, when it says in here that a cloud took him up out of their sight, it is supposed to be a hyperlink back to Daniel 7. Um, where we see this this imagery of enthronement, and there's this great court scene that is all about power. And um, so this special mention of the clouds, it is supposed to hyperlink our minds back to Daniel 7, 13 through 14. Um, and so when Daniel is talking here, he is um, in the middle of writing to people who are oppressed by the Babylons or Babylonians, and they've just been um, taken into captivity where the historical accounts are just brutal of people that were um, taken out of their lands, brought as captives into Babylon. And so Daniel has this vision um, of one that is coming, who, who is coming on the clouds, and he is going to uh, make all things right. And so this is... Um, Luke is intentionally hyperlinking back to Daniel chapter seven to show that Jesus is reigning as king. And as he is sitting on the throne, he is reigning and ruling as king. And so where the, mm-hmm. the resurrection, it, it teaches us that Jesus will live forever. The ascension is teaching us that Jesus will reign forever as king. Yeah. And great. he's reigning even now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think that's what, you know, there's, he, cause there's, there's so many parts of the ascension, but he, he, the ascension is him being exalted right. to the right hand of the Father, which is what Psalm 110 says. He's at mm-hmm. the right hand of the Father, and that's, that's how we know he's exalted, and he's reigning as yeah. Lord, mm-hmm. even now yeah. and forever, because that's what the psalm says. Yeah, yeah I think, I mean... Uh, you know, you talk about the, the kingship and then like and the priest. Like you wanted to say something. <laughs> uh, well, I'll just talk about the priest, the priestly stuff. I mean, so in, in Romans 8, 34, um, Paul says, it's God who justifies, that's the end of verse 33, who is to condemn? Mm-hmm. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed is interceding for us. And so... That's, I think, the priestly mm-hmm. element, right? So he's reigning, but he's also reigning over and then through his people mm-hmm. that he's called and is restoring. Um, and so that's that's the priestly function, at, which is kind of, well, where is Jesus now? Well, he's relationally accessible to us mm-hmm. uh, because he is at the right hand of God and he's interceding for us. Mm-hmm. That we, we have this ongoing relationship with, with Jesus who is really alive mm-hmm. through prayer um, that he hears our prayers, that we have conversations with him, that he is helping us, he's empowering us, um, that he's accessible, that we're not reaching back into time mm-hmm. at the cross only, right? I mean, we go through the the forgiveness of sins that's made possible at the cross, but our relationship with him is yeah. based on him being alive right now. He's and resurrected in there. Us. And so that's that priestly yeah. role. You know, priest is a bridge to God, you know, between mm-hmm. God and, and man. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I think, um, just to help people think about it. So he, 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 he mediates our relationship between God. So we're in Christ so we can come before God. Yeah. And he also intercedes for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was already interceding mm-hmm. for us in his life, you know, in his ministry. I mean, that was some of his last prayers were for his people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but even now all the time he intercedes for the church before yeah. the father, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. amazing. I mean, that's what a priest yeah. does, and that's what he's doing. He's he's the true high priest. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay, so that's where he is. Mm-hmm. That's what he's doing. So um, is that it? Or is he going to come back? <laughs> <laughs> he's coming back. That's a rhetorical question. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that is... It's such a, a important part of our faith. It's really mm-hmm. the the cry of the church is mm-hmm. is is you know, come quickly, Lord, mm-hmm. come quickly. Yeah. Um, so, w- what does that look like? When is he coming back? So I think that this um, this is a good example of one issue that's closed handed and one issue that's open handed. So in this series, we've been talking a lot about these theologically rich doctrines uh, that the church has historically held. And, you know, some of them we would consider close-handed to say, you know, this is something we're not really willing to bend on that um, is fundamental to to the life, to the beliefs of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But there are some issues that we would consider to be open-handed, that we can um, engage in conversation, we can um, look at the scripture, and to people that love Jesus can maybe fall on different um, ends of the spectrum on some of these ideas. And so, what we would say is close-handed is um, his second coming, right? That we would, I mean, the ascension also, but the second coming, we believe that he is going to come back. Like you said, this is, I mean, the cry of the heart of a follower of Jesus is, is come Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would consider that to be close-handed, but what we would consider to be open-handed is is the timing, um, the way. So, I mean, there's there's the rapture or... Um, the what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so that, I mean... No, I mean, that's really, that's, so yeah. that's a helpful thing to, we don't have time to yeah, go yeah, into yeah, a lot yeah, of details yeah. about the rapture because that's a whole, it's part of a whole system of, yeah. um, you know, theology with the end times. Um, but it is a part of sort of the cultural, our cultural context yeah. is the yeah. rapture because a lot of people read the Left Behind series. Yes. And so we sort of think, okay, there's going to be this um, this time when Jesus sort of comes back and yeah. the church leaves. And so what, what what is the rapture? Where does it come from? Well, so I do think that a lot of, and this this was me. I grew up reading the Left Behind series. I read through the whole uh, kid series, but it took them so long to come out that I even started reading the whole adult series by the time, you know, that they all came out. Um, but I think that for me, my uh, theology or expectation of the second coming of Christ was based off of a fictional series and not necessarily based off of um, the big picture story of the Bible and so, I mean, not to say that you can't um, believe in the rapture. I know a lot of really wonderful, faithful people that love Jesus and love his word uh, believe in the rapture that um, that Christ will come at an unexpected time and he will uh, rapture or um, snatch his followers up to heaven with him. Up. Maybe caught up with him. Yeah, caught up with yeah. him. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, that comes from First Thessalonians mm-hmm. four. So, that, I mean, there's a yeah. there's a text that sure. you know yeah. it sounds yeah. like that's, that's what's where going it comes on. From. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like like Jenna's saying, I mean, that again, that feeds into this this sort of alternate story that up and out of here is where we want to be, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, and there is you know a, a larger historical context there for mm-hmm. Paul and, and and lordship of Jesus, but. Uh, it doesn't, when you hold all of it together, um, that's not the primary emphasis yeah. um, that that we see. Um, it is Jesus returning, um, which we didn't go to verse 13 in Second Peter, but but according to his promise that Peter's already mentioned, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in mm-hmm. which righteousness dwells, which is mm-hmm. this earth restored, renewed. Uh, even the, you know, speaking about fire is is purifying and cleansing and renewing. 
Um, and so he's going to be here. So it's not about going up and going yeah. somewhere else. So yeah, it's, there is a text, like I said, that people have taken, but they're taking it and using it in a different story um, that is, doesn't really fit with the, the big story of the Bible, like Jenna said. But I think regardless of, of when or how you think that it's going to happen, I do think that the emphasis is, is we don't really know. We don't really know the exact, we're not supposed to know the exact day, the exact time. And I mean, people throughout history have tried to kind of crack the code and predict when it was going to happen. Um, I think even the, um, in 1834, there was the Millerites and they kind of based their uh, whole belief system off of they calculated the return of Christ and it's going to be on this day. You know, so it's this isn't a new thing that people right. have tried throughout history to predict the day and the time. But I think what you see over and over again is we're not actually supposed to to know the day and the time. But what is clear is that we are supposed to keep watch and we're supposed to be ready and we are supposed to live our lives today in light of the fact that um, God is is eminent. You know that um, that we have the Spirit of God in us and that we have work to do on this earth. But we do believe that Jesus is going to come and that is supposed to motivate the way that we live every day on that we are here yeah i mean it is clear so we don't know the day and the time but we do know it's imminent yeah and so god's time is different than our time yeah you know and so in the overarching plan and god's plan for the history of the world for to rescue all of creation of mankind it feels like we don't know what's happening but you know mm -hmm. uh, we actually did a podcast last week about um god's wrath and his mm -hmm. judgment and yeah. how really this is God being patient. Mm. This waiting for the culmination of this story is, is God's patience towards his people because he wants everyone to return to him who can, but it will come and yeah. everyone should be on guard because yeah. I mean, I always, whenever I have conversations with people, I'm like, it's sort of interesting to try mm. to figure out when it's coming, but, mm. but for any human, it's imminent mm. because your mm. life <laughs> is imminently going to end. Yeah. And, you know, we all have to respond to this biblical story. Yeah. Then. Yeah. And, and the, in a way, Peter says that in this passage, since all these things are so, right, that, that there's going to be a new heavens and earth where righteousness dwells, what sort of people ought you to be? And he, and he says to live lives of holiness mm -hmm. and godliness, which is, you know, the foundational thing that was from the beginning that we saw in the fullness in Jesus, who is now in the presence of God. And he's going to bring all of that back with mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. um, on that day. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate um, y'all's clarification about why this matters so much and the parts that even though um, they're good to, to look at because we want to study the Bible and we want to try to figure out what God is speaking to us. Um, but sometimes as a church, I'm thinking whenever I take, whenever I teach systematic at the end of any doctrine we talk about, I say, is this essential or is this non-essential? Is it primary for the Christian faith or is it secondary? Because when we make something that's secondary, primary, it does harm to the unity of the church mm -hmm. and does harm to our witness to the world, usually. Yeah. Um, and if we forget something that really is primary, like the return of Jesus, mm -hmm. yeah. then we have forgotten what God has really done for us in Christ yeah. and what the promises really are, which is just as bad. And so you really have to know what really does matter, what is essential to the Christian faith, and also don't make those secondary things like rapture primary right because yeah. yeah. maybe we're wrong about that yeah. well be curious you know mm -hmm. i think yeah. that there's like different stages of development in learning i mm -hmm. think first it's like you don't know what you don't know you know like there's gosh there's just like so much out there you don't but you don't even realize you don't even know what you don't know but i think then then the next stage would be that that you do know what you don't know 
And you realize like, gosh, there is, there's so much mm -hmm. out there that I really don't understand. And I think in, in all of these discussions that we're having, like there's so much and it feels like we're just barely scratching the surface of something that is so dip, deep and rich and complex. And I feel like for me, I don't even like fully grasp the, the depth of this doctrine. So I, I don't know, or I know what I don't know, but then I think that third stage really is that, that we want to know what we don't know. And I think with, with this doctrine or just any doctrine in general that we want to approach it with curiosity and um, being able to have conversations with people that maybe disagree with us, maybe see it differently. Not that we're fighting like uh, my way or your way or, you know, who's right or, you know, who's wrong, but just, just be curious and just mm -hmm. go on this journey together of trying to look at what is, what is the Bible saying? Not what do I assume that it's saying or not? What do I, what have I heard that it was taught that it was saying, but just a journey of learning and, and being willing to learn. Yeah. And, you know, in this series, we've talked a lot about what the gospel is. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's say what the gospel is. And so I want to encourage you, if you're listening, listen to those sermons because they've done such a great job of that. Um, but if, if it's a part of the gospel, it's part of this gospel story of scripture, it's essential. Mm. Yeah. And if it's not, mm. it is not essential. Mm. I mean, that's really, the, to me, the easiest way to yeah. think about it. It doesn't mean it's not important. It doesn't affect our lives, but it means it's not essential. And we can, we can lock arms with all the Christians and all of history throughout the world and, you know, be a good witness and be known by our love for each other. So, so we uh, have just really touched mm. on what this looks like, but mm -hmm. I do want to, before we go, I want to talk about, you know, again, another big question with, we're talking about doctrines and studying and being curious. Well, who cares, right? Who cares? That's, yeah. that's the other question I ask. Who cares? So how does this actually affect our lives, how we live, how we think and act, this is the ascension and Jesus returning? Well, I think, um, you know, he addresses that, uh, that, that the, in, in verse four, you know, he says, Hey, you know, people say, Hey, things have just been this way always from the beginning, you know, and actually, which is kind of a, a messed up thought in itself because there was something really good in the beginning. And mm -hmm. now we're living in this, this time where I, we, we make ourselves the center of the story. Sometimes it's like, Hey, I'm going to get my things done in this life. And I'm going to get the most out of my life when really there, we we're trying to align ourselves with, with God's purpose and God's story. And, um, and so knowing that Jesus is coming back or knowing that he is in the presence of God, the Father, and that he's sent his spirit to live in us now as we anticipate him coming back uh, informs how we should live. I mean, it informs, you know, if this is where we're headed, mm -hmm. if this is what's ultimate, then it's actually true now. Mm -hmm. um, so whatever, whatever will be in the future, who I'm going to be is who I'm actually called to become uh, in the present, which is why he focuses on living lives of holiness and godliness now in preparation of, of the life in the world to come. And because so because scripture tells us one day we will be like him yeah. when he comes back, we will be like him because we will see him for who, for yeah. who he truly is, which that's unbelievable. It is. It is. So we we're supposed to imitate mm. the one that we're waiting for mm. that we're anticipating. Yeah. Mm. And I, I just uh, a phrase that I, I love in, with that is that all those who have loved his appearing mm -hmm. are going to, you know, receive him. And so there's, there's, there's that element yeah. too. It's like, we're going to become like him, but it's like, we are really, mm. we love mm. and are waiting for mm. this appearing because it's the restoration of all things mm -hmm. being good again. So yeah, it's what we actually hope for. I mean, yeah. I, I actually think that's really helpful because um, that's, that can be sort of a, a hard thing 
uh, to think about like what what are you actually you know we're talking about how are people of hope what what are you mm. really hoping in it's good to hope for you know a new job or mm. something for your kid or whatever it is but but what are you really hopeful for what gives you real hope yeah and to know that this is actually this is where Christians find their their hope yeah oh, I th- I think I mean. All of it. I mean, his death, his resurrection, but I think his ascension really is, it it is so much about hope. I think that oftentimes religion, Christianity and other religions is really based on fear. Fear of bad things happening in this life, happening in the life to come, that um, religion can be used as means to control people through fear. And I think that Christianity rejects fear because this really is a doctrine that is based on hope. So if we think about um, Jesus Christ living now as our great high priest who is, um, if you, or Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every way has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, so as a result of that, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. And so really what that passage in Hebrews is talking about is the ascension is, is access and confidence, mm-hmm. right? Like the yeah. door is, is permanently mm-hmm. open for us. Tim Keller has a quote where he says, the only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water mm-hmm. is a child, we have that kind of access. Mm -hmm. Like the door is open for us. We have confidence that we can approach a God. And so as, as Jesus is interceding for us, he's standing in the presence of God petitioning on our behalf, but it's not like he is petitioning a reluctant father, but he's petitioning a father who loves to give his children good things. Like that is uh, Jesus acting as our great high priest, but then also Jesus acting as, as the King, as he is. So what we talked about, like him ascending, it is him ascending to the throne, not to, to disappear, but to, but to reign, right? He is reigning forever. And that gives us such great comfort. The passage in Daniel 7 that I referenced earlier, um, Daniel says, this is part of his, his vision. He says, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came like a son of man and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So this is, it is Jesus ruling as a king, unmatched, unparalleled power. Like there's nothing and there's no one that is stronger than him, but it is a king who is good, right? He uses his power for good and that feels really safe, Mm -hmm. right? An all-powerful God using his power to protect, to save, and to serve like that feels really safe. So knowing that Jesus did not stay here, but he ascended to the father, it is him acting as our high priest. He is acting as the great King. I mean, we haven't even really touched on how, um, this is, uh, this, he sent the Holy spirit, right? Jesus says, unless I go away, the advocate will not come, but if I go, I will send him to you. So there still is even stuff that we haven't even fully explored, but really, really to me, this is a message of hope. Yes, I know. I love that. So, I mean, just to tie that together, I mean, because we're out of time, out of time, unfortunately, but, um, you know, Jesus ascended 
because he's resurrected in bodily form. So he ascended as a man, right? Mm -hmm. He's the first fruits mm. of this whole restoration. And so now you're saying in him, we have access to the throne of God. We can mm -hmm. come before God. Mm -hmm. Jesus is interceding for us and we have his spirit, which is relationship with God and conforms us even now mm -hmm. into who we're going to be whenever Christ comes back. And then mm -hmm. we're like him and with him completely. I mean, that's, that's this beautiful picture of what Jesus has done and is yeah. doing and is going to do. And it really is just so hopeful. Sounds like good news to me. It is good <laughs> news. Thank you guys so much for being here. Um, super helpful. Um, love you both a lot. Thank, Thank you, you for all you do. Love you too. <laughs> Jenna? I love you too. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch a video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, thanks for joining the Clear Creek Resources podcast. See you next time.